Welcome to the worst of the best podcast. You wanted the best. Well, they didn't freaking make it. So here's what you get from Canada, Ryan and Jason. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Worst of the Best podcast. I'm your host and with me today, as per almost always, my brother Jason. How you doing? Doing well, Ryan. Thanks for having me back. Well, of course. You're my first, <laughs> you're my first invite. Um, at the time of this recording, we got a couple of guests that are coming on with some uh, future episodes. I got somebody lined up to do uh, Van Halen's first album. It's a oh, okay, yeah, and a couple other guest hosts coming up from other podcasts. They're going to guest host, so I'm going to get some shows out there. But you're the uh, yeah, yeah. I, I apologize. I, no, don't apologize. Don't apologize. To explain why there might have been a lull here, I was away for a couple of weeks on a vacation, so the recordings paused for a bit. Uh, we appreciate you, Jason. Your voice of uh, not say a reason. <laughs> I don't know why I was gonna say a reason. Yeah, your input. I appreciate your input as brother and as a co-host. And in fact, we have an email from our favorite Australian, Peter Schuler. This specifically is an email, of course, in the response to our never mind. I will say again that if you want us to react, review, respond, or whatever it is to a topic on our show. Emails at worst of the best podcast at gmail.com. Also, we have set up a Discord. That's right, a Discord. That Discord link will be in every show note from here on out. If you want to see us live and interact with us live or just talk about the show in our Discord, hey, come join us. I think it's a lot of fun. If you don't know what Discord is, just Google it <laughs> and you'll understand what it is. It saves me having to explain it. It's a very easy system, really, once you get into it. And it's a great way to interact with me and Jason or any of the co-hosts that I have come on. And you, too, the listener, if you, especially if you've chosen a topic, you can watch us live as we do it. All right, so this is an email from Peter. He's the one that asked us to do Nirvana's Nevermind, of course, on our U2 episode. If you haven't heard that and you're not a U2 fan, but you want to hear about Nevermind, well, check out that episode on U2's Octoon Baby, because at the beginning of the episode, Jason and I did a mini-sode of Nirvana's Nevermind. I actually forgot to put that in the title of the episode, but I thought it might be too long and confusing, like parentheses, Nirvana's Nevermind, mini-sode. I probably didn't put it in, too, because we weren't very kind to it, and I didn't want people that were Nevermind fans to click on it and be, like hate us, <laughs> so to speak. Anyways, here's his email. So he goes, Hi, Ryan and Jason. First of all, thank you both for willing to listen and review Nirvana's Nevermind. Again, it was a very you know quick mini-sode. He says, I still value you both. No offense taken whatsoever. I actually like hearing contrarian perspectives. I appreciate your honesty above all else. Well, thanks, Peter. To be honest, that's the only way I could actually review something is to do it honestly because I'm not sure how you can fake a, a review of something. I, I wouldn't know how to do that. People do to placate the audience. You know? Yeah, I suppose. I would be horrible at it. I'm not a good liar, I suppose. No, neither am I. Uh, it's just easier to tell your truth, and then you don't have to worry about a script or, yeah. He goes on to say that I can understand where you're both coming from. It sounds like you both grew up at, a, at the apex of the hair metal era, which we did, when you were both impressionable teenagers. Jason was born in 73. Ryan was born in 75. That was him. He, he caught that. How did he know that? <laughs> I, I guess we might have mentioned it. We must have mentioned it already. Oh, uh, yeah. But he I thought that was interesting. He also wrote down our social security number and <laughs> <laughs> blood type. So by the time 1991 comes around, I'm guessing you were both between 16 and 18 years old. True. So it sounds like you were both not swept away by the grunge wave. That's true. That's we're, very true. Yeah. We were aware of it. We recognized it. We liked some of the bands that came or some of the songs, um, but we weren't caught up in the wave. We felt the wave and, and like, oh, there's the wave. But he goes on to say, whereas he was only 13 in 1991, which in teen years, 13 to 16 to 18, those are much different ages. You know, it's So when was he born? Well, if he was 13 in 91, he must have been born in 76, 77. Oh, sorry, sorry, oh, okay. 79 type thing. I, I see. I was under the impression he was the same age as you, but he's even younger than you are. Yeah, he's younger than Ruben. Yeah. Right. Okay. So he goes on to say, so grunge music was the first genre of music that spoke to uh, himself and his teenager friends entering adolescence and high school. He had previously purchased Aerosmith's Pump in 89 and Bon Jovi's Slippery When Wet in 87. There you go. But he felt as a teenager that the hair metal genre was a bygone era. 
by the time he entered his teenage life. He goes, anyways, keep up the good work, gentlemen. My dopamine levels. This is very kind. My dopamine levels. Yeah, I like this. <laughs> always rise when I see the classic black and white microphone avatar of your podcast feed, you know, regarding the new episode upload. So I guess he's, his dopamine levels are probably going overboard now as we read his email. Sincere regards, Peter Australia. So thanks, Peter. That's very kind of you. And I have to say, Pump is a pretty great album. Well, we talked about we're doing Pump. That's one of the ones we're going to do for sure. I think we have to do Aerosmith's Pump for this uh, uh, podcast. There's a few Aerosmith albums that we need to do because Pump is, I mean, it's great. Um, it's not their best. I say we're going to do uh, Toys in the Attic. We have to do maybe even their debut album. We have to do Rocks, maybe uh, Pump, Primitification, Get a Grip. These are all huge albums. Not to go off too much of a tangent, just the other, I think yesterday or the day before yesterday, you know, going through YouTube and algorithms the way that they are. An Aerosmith concert came up from uh, Mexico. And I'm like, what? I didn't know they were touring. I don't know if they actually have a tour or if it's a one-off show. So I clicked on it. I didn't have the time to watch the whole thing. But my goodness, are they still rocking it? Joe Perry has not aged as far as his, his ability to play that guitar. No. He sounds fantastic. And Steven does a great job, too. I mean, he doesn't have an easy voice singing-wise, but he's done a very good job at being able to maintain that type of singing. And they have an amazing, a lot of amazings. They have a, a great backup singer. You probably know what yeah, I'm talking about, yeah, Ryan. I forget his backup singer? Yeah. Dude, that guy yeah, yeah, yeah. saves Steven. Sure, 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 yeah. In, yeah, in see, a good see, way. And I don't, yeah. I don't pretend that there's anything bad about this. The way that they play off each other are, is amazing. And they, they amazing. Why am I using the word amazing? Yeah, in that concert, uh, Stephen would look back at him. Yeah, they talked to each other. Yeah. Like, what they did is on their YouTube channel, I've watched the majority of them. Uh, I'm a huge Aerosmith fan. I have been for you know, almost four decades now. I'm a huge fan of them. Um, yeah. They've defied all the odds. Like, all five members now are the same five that started in high school. Like, it's pretty crazy. And they're all still alive, which is insane. They're pushing 70, if not above. Good for them. 50-year going career. It's insane. And, uh, yeah, we know that Steven's voice. But the fact that he's kept himself in fairly good shape, you know, none of these guys are slobs or blobs. they uh, healthy and alive and plain. And, yeah, at this point in their career, they're just it's a farewell to who knows how long they're, you know, going to be alive for. So yeah. In fact, they just... They're kind of like the, the Boston Stones, right? They're the American Stones at this point, so good for them. Oh, for sure they are. And Stephen does sound good. I just don't know if he can, There's from beginning to end of a show, yeah, they, yeah, that helps him out. Yeah, He's always a character, that guy. Yeah, but Who, I was Steve? Watching, yeah, and I was actually watching some yeah. old, uh, they released a concert for the last 50 years, like a 70s, 80s, 90s, 2000s. Like, it's kind of cool. They, oh, okay. Yeah, they released a full concert, high definition or, you know, pro shot footage from the 70s was cool. So the 70s was crazy because they're all out of it. And then you go to the 80s and 90s when they were sober and to see their energy change when they're older, it's funny, right? But Steven Tyler was doing like handstands on stage and stuff. Like, it's kind of insane. Like, we took that for granted back in the day that he was just, he just run around, do a handstand, and yeah, good stuff. But we'll talk more about that when we do Pump. Sure. Yeah. And their other albums. So today, folks, we have, going back to the conspiracy well. I think Jason and I both enjoy it. We love talking conspiracies. This episode is titled 10 Obscure or Maybe Not as Well Known conspiracy theories about the world we live in of this list jason i think there was only one that we've talked about before at not ad nauseum but in a full episode and that was the uh, world as a simulation okay so when the first matrix movie was released it messed with people's heads do you remember that movie i know i saw it but i think uh, as time has passed i'm oh, my memory's of fading funny of that you asked no i uh, i know quite well i would say i i'm one of the people that kind of nerded out about it okay it, I think because it tapped into, for me, the conspiracy part of my soul or the the idea that life is a simulation. So even though when this movie did come out, I might have thought it was more Hollywood than maybe possibility. And now that I've gotten older since this movie has come out, you know, 22 years or 23 years ago, I've leaned towards more, hmm. Uh, in fact, my sons, my two youngest sons have rewatched the trilogy with me. They love the Matrix films. Oh, okay. Yeah, they love them. So... And so I'd done a rewatch just recently, like this year. I just saw the trilogy again. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. I don't think I've even seen. They're not the problems. The sequels aren't that great. And the Matrix one. Yeah. Is even, I'm not a fanatic about I'm actually more of a fan about the ideas behind it. The, the idea. Yeah. yeah. Basically, are we in a simulation? 
And we know like taking the red pill means diving headfirst into a rabbit hole that says an advanced civilization will live long enough to create very simulated worlds with one base reality. You know, just an offshoot of that. I mean, as our own technology increases, it seems this idea becomes more and more plausible the further and further we become more technologically advanced. Are we right now in a simulated world? Based on the advanced technology of, of another civilization, could we be a part of their world? What's his name? Tyson Degrassi? Neil Tyson Degrassi. So Neil Tyson Degrassi brought up a great example or thought idea. or Basically, we can create, you know, obviously we talked about this in our simulation episode, but I recommend you listen to that. But for those who don't want to go back to that, essentially we as humans right now, we can create, you know, the Sims and what have you. And these Sims act within a world that we've created for them. And the Sims in the Sims games can actually play computer games and so forth right. and so forth. Where are we in this tree? And the idea being that we could very well be the offshoot of a Sims game of a Sims game of a Sims game. What is that base computer? We don't know. Like it's yeah, yeah, fascinating idea. So a question. I well, have to ask and is, Elon Musk talks about this. Yeah. I mean, it's more plausible that we are part of a simulation Here, than not. Just, oh, sorry. Yeah, than not. I've got the sound bites. Beginning of this video, I'll play it. Well, maybe we're in a simulation right now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, seriously. You look at our computing power today, and you say, I have the power to program a world inside of a computer. Well, imagine in the future where you have even more power than that, and you can create characters that have, for example, free will. And I program in the laws that govern that world. Now, you're a character in that world, and you think you have free will, and you say, I want to invent a computer. So you do. Hey, I want to create a world in my computer. So now you lay out all these universes and throw a dart. Which of these universes are you most likely to hit? The original one that started it or the countless simulations, the dart simulations that uh, unfolded thereafter? <laughs> kind of a mind F, right? It, it, it is because in many ways that sounds more plausible than, than what we're experiencing. Sure as what we think is reality. So the question I want to ask you, would you take the red pill? Do you want to know for an assembly? Like, if you take it and you just end up being exactly where you are, that's your answer. No, what you see around you is real. It just is. This is Earth. This is not a... Would you take the pill to find out the answer? Yes. Yeah, I think I would too. <laughs> Partly because I hate being tricked. Mm. I rather know the truth about my existence. Maybe it's from past air quotes trauma. Are being tricked and I don't like to feel like I am being duped and it bothers me when I am I would like to know the truth of what it is that I'm experiencing and then deal with those consequences as they are as you say not much will change because sometimes don't you feel like a character oh yeah sometimes I do I just feel like okay this is the role that I've been given and this is the role that I right. play and this is the lot in life that I have or whatever it might be. And so it doesn't feel like there's much more out outside of that. If that's what it ends up being, that's what it ends up being. No, good. All right. Again, I recommend you check out our episode, the simulation, uh, that are we living in the simulation episode? There's some great ideas we brought up there. Okay. The next one, number two, what's up with Ronald Reagan's name? This was a new one for me. Okay. Did you know that the winning number in the Maryland lottery on November 4th, 1980 was 666. That date also happened to be the day of the 49th quadrennial presidential election in which Ronald Reagan won in a landslide victory. So this obviously means that Ronald Reagan was the devil, right? Not only because of the ominous lottery number, but also because Ronald Reagan's full name spelled out is 666 as well. He has six letters in each name, Ronald Wilson Reagan. More proof, of course, of devil shenanigans. Also, at the time of the election, the planet Uranus made for an unusual configuration in the night sky, one that only comes around every 26 years. So the idea here that the universe or the stars aligned and Ronald Reagan, <laughs> there's some... Uh, I like this one. This yeah, is hilarious. Yeah. We said this before in our many other conspiracy episodes that I admire the ability to connect dots. At the very least, if someone said to me, Ryan, I want you to come up with some sort of conspiracy theory about the day that Ronald Reagan wins a landslide victory, come up with something. I wouldn't be able to do this. I don't know how they come up with this stuff. Okay, this is like the simulation idea. You know, like 
somebody's playing a trick in their simulation. They think it's funny to have all those things align. I wouldn't go, the winning lottery number is 666. I go like, oh, isn't that crazy? The number of the beast. But then to go further and go, oh, did you know Ronald Reagan also has six, you know, like to build on that and then go, oh, and by the way, you know, there's a planet out there that does this. Yeah. Only every 26 years. Yeah. Now, if it was only every 666 years, yeah, that would have been that would be that, that would be too much. Okay, this is a fascinating one, Jay. Yours. The Earth is flat, and there are no longer any real trees. We've talked about the flat Earth again. Check out one of our episodes. Yeah, but, of course. But this brings it a little further that there there are no longer any real trees. Is the fact that the Earth is flat is that still a conspiracy? <laughs> Wait. <laughs> oh. So there are no real, longer any real trees. This is according to the Flat Earther Movement, which says that the ancient trees of the world, which apparently extended 40 miles into the sky and had trunks two miles wide, no longer exist. And the trees we see every day are simply saplings of these ancient trees. The theory was spread after a video appeared on YouTube in which a Caribbean man claims that a cataclysmic event thousands of years ago destroyed 99% of the Earth's biosphere and all the trees in the world. The man goes on to say that mountains, mesas, and buttes are the remains of the ancient trees that have been destroyed. Also, the rock found on Earth is not actual rock, but the widespread rubble of these ancient trees. Famous mountains and monuments, and compared them side by side with tree trunks. Uluru in Australia, for example, is a large and somewhat flat island mountain that, the theory tells us, looks extraordinarily like a massive tree stump. Uluru was a tree, so the claim goes, but its destruction has turned it into what it is now. Elsewhere, Devil's Tower, a large, steep formation with almost vertical sides in Wyoming, USA, allegedly looks like a tree that was cut down before it could grow to full height, while the Giant's Causeway in Northern Ireland, an iconic monument of basalt columns, is purported evidence toward a dramatically alternate history too, with it claims that the causeway's hexagonal pattern must be linked to organic life. So the idea here is that mountains were once trees, the rocks are the remnants of those trees, and the trees that we have now is like the equivalent of the grass in your yard. Mm. Fascinating. It's a fascinating idea. It's a it's very romantic and, and crazy. But yeah, I can see how some of those structures may resemble, but like a mountain range where it's clearly play techno, play tectonics, right? Pushing like the Swiss Alps or something. You know, we live by the Rockies or you know the. What's the mountain range closer to us? Yeah, the Rockies. Well, I don't know. The Rockies is all I th- could think about. Closer BC, right? No, that's closer to the BC Alberta border, I believe. Oh. The actual Rockies. Well, Any rate, but at this, uh, my geography is horrible. <laughs> For some reason, it's escaping me. There, there's a just outside of Vancouver, just past Bank. Van- yeah, like past Hope. You know, you go through Hope, and there's some. Any rate, you know, part of my vacation, I just had mentioned my vacation being away, was I climbed a mountain when I was visiting Utah. That was a mountain range. Right. And I climbed a peak with, there, there's no way that those are trees. That's fair. Uh, Some of the structures that he points out, I can see they definitely look like, resemble trees structurally, but the question is, what do they have to do with flat earth? I didn't understand the connection. It's just fun to talk about flat earth. Okay. Because <laughs> the guy that brought up the theory is a flat earther himself? Probably, I think so. Oh. Anyway, it's part of the movement. Um, yeah, interesting. I would. I don't know. It's good. I don't know what the connection would be. I would have to somehow know more about flat Earth to make the connection. But this is where a little bit of science does not. Well, scientists that are not laughed out of the scientist room <laughs> do say that the Earth obviously has gone through changes that we can't explain and we don't have all the answers to. And that if you were to go back far enough in any kind of timeline, you'd you wouldn't recognize the planet that you're on. Like I completely agree with that. I completely agree with cataclysmic events yeah. altering the way that the world is. Yeah. yeah. Fascinating. That one I've never heard of, and the explanation, though fantastical, I, I'm not just scoffing at it, but it just, it, I, it's almost, like I said, it's like a romantic, almost like a fantasy story, but it's it's kind of cool. Some I, of the and the show did. Yes. Yeah, see, that's the thing, is they're connected with very specific visuals, 
And I kind of like the idea that the trees that we have today are like saplings. Let's see if like little. Can... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's right. I like the trees that. Here's like blades of grass. Let's just see what the conclusion is, see if there's anything that says something there. Okay. Because to recap the basics, the idea is that there are no forests on Earth because real trees don't exist anymore. The trees we have today are tiny shrubs compared to their great ancestors, but all that's left of them, the ancestors, are our mountains, which are actually the remainder of massive tree trunks. Suffice to say, this isn't a claim that's in any way supported by conventional scientific research. And what's more, it has even caused some division in the Flat Earth movement itself, with many Flat Earthers distancing themselves from it. Perhaps the only shred of scientifically backed truth we can glean from the whole thing is that it's generally agreed that Earth was once a lot greener than it is now, with much of the world map hosting more than double the forest land that it does today. A change brought on by the urbanization of humankind. So even some of the flat earthers like, hey man, you, you know, you crazy. <laughs> you crazy yeah. with that tree stuff. Number four, the darkness behind the 2004 tsunami. So Jason, as you can imagine, tsunamis are terrifying events that no one but those who live through one can truly fathom. I agree with that. Oof. Oh, they, they, yeah. what a power. So much power in those things. Scary. Terrifying. Yep. Oh, it's, yeah. So in 2004, the Indian Ocean tsunami was one of the biggest and deadliest in history of the world and still spoken up in hushed or like shocked tones in the affected countries. As with all tragic events at the scale, the conspiracy theories are not far behind. And one of these series claims that India was testing nuclear bombs. And this caused the earthquake mm. that led to the tsunami. Then there's a theory that Jama Islamia, a Southeast Asian branch of Al-Qaeda, was also to blame for the tsunami. They supposedly launched a terror attack in the form of an earthquake and tsunami so they could gather their hands on some of the $3 billion in aid relief that poured in after the disaster. So they created the disaster to get the money from the relief. Not mm. crazy. <laughs> On top of that, you're saying, well, Ryan, this this is impossible. Well, yes, I'll tell you right now, this is public knowledge. You can find this on Google and YouTube. But Russia has technology that they have nuclear bombs at their disposal that they can basically remotely access and travel across the bottom of the ocean floor at such slow speeds you would never detect them. The sensors wouldn't detect them because they would move at the pace of a whale. And when they're close to the coastline, they can go up to 100 miles an hour before it's too late, and they hold 200 megatons of destruction. Now, keep this in mind, that would be a tidal wave as tall as, or a tsunami as tall as the Empire State Building would be caused by this explosion underwater. And to put that in perspective, the tsunami that hit India was a, uh, a tenth of that size. Mm. Not even. Like, we're talking 500 meters tall. Way to throw a wet blanket on our show, right? Sorry. Terrifying. <laughs> I say all that because but, this theory, I don't, we don't yeah, know, it, but it just shows you that mankind does have the ability to create tsunamis. So not a crazy uh, we, conspiracy. Yeah, we have the, definitely the technology to wreck our existence. That is for sure. And the Indian Ocean testing with the nuclear weapons, that sounds plausible. And they probably accidentally screwed up. So uh, you got number five. What's in Australia? We all know that Finland doesn't really exist, but did you know that Australia is also just a figment of our collective imagination? Of course, this is very believable. After all, what even is a kangaroo, and what kind of place has an outback where people just disappear forever? Therefore, it's common knowledge at this point that Australia is basically a huge cover-up by the British government who murdered all the prisoners it supposedly sent to the non-existent island. And don't be fooled, everyone is in on it including pilots, tour guides, and the actors who live on decoy islands and pretend it's a place called Australia. You live in Australia, you say? No, in fact, you might be living in South America or one of the islands nearby. Have you ever heard of this one before? No. We had relatives that lived in Australia. They lived there, went there, lived there, and they've now recently moved back. So I've been there myself on a yes. on a sale and i remember i knew about this theory it's connected to the flat earth this is another one that's sort of right. flat earth that 
Australia doesn't exist because I think of its location and the flight patterns or something like that or the ice circle that surrounds the flat earth. It can't be where it says it's supposed to be. So people do live, quote unquote, there. But when you're there, you're in South America or an island nearby it. And it's funny, when I was in Australia, like, it's funny, our ship went there. I suspect they had GPS. (laughs) They had maps on their in the bridge. I thought to myself, literally, as I was walking the land of Australia, I'm like, am I here? (laughs) I even had that funny thought. Like, I understand that I'm here and I'm talking to people. But I didn't think anyone were tour guides or were actors or anything like that. But at the same time, if you're living like in a Truman world, how would anyone know that they are where they are? Like, it's weird to think, how do you even know where you are, really, at any point of time? I'm trying to get too trippy, but for all I knew, I could I could have been there, but I didn't have any proof other than I was on land, and then I was told that's where I was, and then back on the ship I went, and then back to Canada I went type thing, right? Like, Yeah, I mean, that's kind of the argument you can use as right. a flat earther. The only reason we know the world is round, or globe, is because we've been told it is. That's right. I can't give you a mathematical, I myself as a normal individual with just limited intelligence, I couldn't scientifically prove to you that the world is a globe. I trust that it's a globe like everybody else who can't define or explain how they, I don't know. How do you explain that we're on a, no, on a you globe, and I can't. You and I can't. And, that, and that's the thing is I, we have to put our trust <laughs> to scientists. Again, <laughs> I put it by trust people who say they are scientists. Yeah, there's a lot of trust. <laughs> Everything I believe to be true about science, I only know because I've been told. You haven't done experiments to no. verify any of these facts. I don't know. I don't know if any, Physics. anything's true. I don't know if anything's true. <laughs> Are we in a simulation? Yes. If we found out that the world was flat, how would that change the way that we live? See, that's the other thing. A globe doesn't change, or if it's flat, it doesn't change what I do day in, day out. No, like, How would that change talk, anything? We, we talked about this on our flat earth, I think. The reason why the flat earthers are so, many of them are Christian, and they, they mm. connect the flat earth to that we're being lied to by the bad people of well, earth. And, this, that's where, and, and again, further from God is what that's actually what it is. Mm. is that it, the idea that we don't need God, there's a connection between flat earth and Christianity as they see it, or God fearing people, that God wants us to know that we live on a, on a plate, not a bowl or a globe. <laughs> it goes back to what I said earlier right. I don't want to be lied to. Nobody wants. To. I just wish I could. Yeah, I just wish I could verify one way or the other, and just we can just kind of get over it and move on. Well, that's how we have verified it. We have. Oh, that's yeah. right. I forgot. We have the NASA pictures that have also been proven to be pieced together. Okay. Anyway, it doesn't. We're not. <laughs> I, it's funny you say that because I was thinking about. Oh yeah, the, the people in the space shuttle with the super glue hair pretending it's floating gravity. Okay. I just want to say to anyone that scoffed at us playing with the idea of flat earth, we're not we're just saying, if you, think, if you think media is always telling the truth, just Google space station hoax or space station like what the F. You'll see these people bounce it like this. Lady, I know. This, I see. Yes. Yes. I know the lady. That's the lady has hairspray in her hair. Like, <laughs> it doesn't this? matter if she was. Yeah. It doesn't matter how she's moving. It stays exact. No. Like it's not floating. If she stood up on her head, Ryan, it'd be po- her hair would be pointing down. It wouldn't up or like there's spread out or of like fruit on the table, like snacks on the table that are staying down the table. They're not floating, but these human bodies that weigh two hundred pounds are floating around, but not the orange on the table. <laughs> I, I can't. I, 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 don't know. I, I, I all I'm saying is everything we see or hear. I, I like. I don't know. I feel like I'm constantly being hoodwinked by the media by. I'm sick of it. Everybody. That's what I'm saying, too. I'm tired of it. But then how do we know when we are being told the truth? Will we verify the truth when it... You can go crazy doing this. And that's why I say at the end of the day, just be a good person in the world that you interact with at the end of the day, whether it's flat, square, triangle. Just be a good person, and hopefully things will just work out. I don't know. I, I don't know. Yeah, It's frustrating. It's hilarious. We don't have enough information as an interpersonal like for me i don't have enough information to say one thing or another that's the problem this next one actually has to do a little bit with what we're talking about this is a new one that i've never heard of before it kind of got popular by tiktoker this is yours jason number six but i just want to say this is the same idea with the australia and everything else it's like yeah so this ties into this next one jason ties into kind of what we're talking about with australia 
well, a lot of these things really is like it's just hard to verify anything. Like again, science only tells us, or his you now we could say historians, we only know what we're told. But how do we know any of this is real? This idea number six, no such thing as the Roman Empire. Like Jake, can you prove to me the Roman Empire exists? Can you just do that right now for me, please? Like you can't. I can't. No. I can't. <laughs> so the Roman oh. Empire started out as a small town on the Tiber River in Italy. It grew into an empire that left an indelible impression on Earth as we know it today. This is what historians tell us, right? This is what we're told from history, right? But a TikTok conspiracy theory, if this is to believe, the Roman Empire never existed. Mumlennial, is her name, at Mumlennial, if you want to follow her on TikTok, has decided that there is no proof that Hadrian's walls of Roman construction, that Roman archaeological sites are simply misinterpreted, and that the entire idea of the Roman Empire was a hoax perpetuated by the Spanish Inquisition. Furthermore, she also claims that there is not one true Roman document in existence. One claim in particular really got under the skin of academics and historians. I love it. I think this is funny that even if she's bonkers or whatever, which she may very well be, I love how her insane, as maybe these people might feel it, accusations or comments irk the academics. I love how they, oh, don't you. This is my yeah. Okay. And who are these people? How can they actually verify? Yeah, well, because history told them. <laughs> namely, oh, okay. Okay, so one claim. Here's the claim. Namely, where Mumlennial casually compared what she calls the, quote, so-called Roman Empire to the Disney Empire. <laughs> so it's more of an idea or story than an actual thing. After a heavy backlash, she backtracked slightly, stating that her claims were just metaphors, but still argued that massive gaps exist in the archaeological records regarding ancient Rome. Strangely enough, Jason, her bio states that she possesses a bachelor's degree in anthropology and history herself. So she's just coming to her own conclusions based on her... We all have limited information. That's the problem, is that the world is so complex, the history is so complex and convoluted and as they say the victors write the history if you're the victor of overtaking another country or empire yeah, groups of people they say. Uh, victors write history right or yeah and they would destroy other people's history so they would wipe out the people that they just took over their history that's not uncommon i believe there's gaps in history because of cataclysmic events sure and the inability to hold history the way that we can maybe archive history today with so you know so much of our history is going to be filmed. It's all over YouTube. It's all over Instagram. Like, is there anything that's not filmed today? Yeah. Like it seems like to the most incredible, to the most mundane is caught on film. So we have to be had the most. We should have the most accurate accounting of history that has ever occurred due to our technological ability to film and record everything. Yeah, we should, but, some, but we could argue that now. But at some point, what, it can be manipulated. That's right. That's what I was going to say. Now we can deep, manipulate yeah. our... Deep fakes. Does, deep fakes. Nothing can be believed anymore. Or is the simulation, what if, the simulations creating the, the mishistory, yeah. And the other part is, is if there was ever like a, I don't know, a solar storm or whatever that wiped out could wipe out the hard drives of the world, that would be crazy. You want to talk about number seven? It's called the last yeah. the last Thursday theory. So what you're talking about now, Jason, actually kind of ties into number seven. Do you want to talk about that? Okay, well, most people believe the Earth has either been around for billions of years or that it was created in a mere 6,000 years, depending on your beliefs. However, did you know that there are those who believe the world was created last Thursday? According to this theory, which is also a counter to the creationism theory, says that the Earth was created last Thursday, but the appearance of being billions of years old. This means that anything ancient, including fossils, buildings, mountains, etc., was created last Thursday, but in the state that makes them appear older. So yeah, the, the idea is, is that we woke up from a sleep of sorts. All that we review in our memories isn't real, but it was kind of like downloaded. Yeah. The whole world's history was downloaded. You and I or everyone is, we're only three or four days old. That every experience interact it's just a constant running memory where if you think about it, if you're always living in the present and all you have is your memories and you can't see the future, how can you prove that your memories are even real? The only question I have is how do really, ha well, really happened, I should say. Sorry. Right. I mean I have this sometimes, like, was I really there? You get further and further away from something and you start questioning 
I know that I was there. I was there for, so let's pretend my vacation. Well, let's use that as an example. I know I was there for two weeks. Um, it felt like I was. Yeah. But at what point? Yeah, I, I don't know. Like, I've thought that too about even like some of the port visits I've done in the Navy. My, I even argued like my first marriage is a big one, you know, because I'm, I'm remarried. And there's times like, did I live that life? Like, weird. Like, was that me? Then you go into your childhood, of course, your memories. Like, that. did I really live all that? Because it just seems like 100 years ago. But I don't remember anything, really. It's Yeah, it's it's odd. I feel like I've lived four different lives in one life. Yeah. The only thing I had a question about this one, though, is is all the physical things that we interact with. Like, how did, well, you know, the computers stuff that we... In the moment you're living in now, the state of things around you are created to be in a, in a state that they need to be in to represent the history. And I see an old building, the Roman Empire, for example, is created by... So the Roman Empire not existing in a way kind of ties into this, like, well, yeah, it never existed because nothing existed since on Wednesday before. The idea of the Roman Empire was is a part of that creation. It never really happened. So, again, it's interesting how a lot of this goes back to whether we're taking the red pill or the blue pill. Sure. You know what I mean? Like, exactly, yeah. It's, it's a simulation or it's not. It's part of the umbrella uh, of yeah. simulation. Yeah, I agree. All right, fascinating. This one I did not know about. I tried to do a little, a little bit additional research on this to find more pictures of this. We can see the picture there, Jason. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Have you ever heard of Sarah Spencer? I haven't. This one's fascinating that Princess Di had a third child. In fact, a daughter named Sarah Spencer, who was born before Harry and William. Oh. Yeah. So, in theory, she is the heir to the throne after Prince Charles passes, not his sons. Now, I believe the sons still have priority because they're boys, is what I heard. One of the most famous royal family members who is also has a host of her own conspiracy theories surrounding her life and death is, of course, Princess Di. To ensure that Diana could produce heirs, what they did before she even consummated her relationship with Prince Charles, this is kind of kind of weird, but I kind of get it because it's the royal family, right? It's all about heirs. She had eggs extracted from her to ensure that she was able to produce babies. Okay? You're tracking? Oh. So the eggs were taken out. So yeah, she's good to go. She can have babies. And to also make sure she was still a virgin. So whatever the test they did then. She was 19 at the time, I believe. Diana's oh. eggs were then harvested and fertilized with Charles' sperm to make sure, quote-unquote, that it worked. So after the test came back positive, the embryos were to be destroyed, except the doctor didn't get the memo. He implanted one of the embryos in his wife, making her an uh, surrogate to the royal couple. This is the conspiracy theory. So, okay, so he, yeah. So he took home... The child between Prince Diana, but put in a surrogate mother, his wife. The doctor didn't destroy the embryo. This isn't so insane. If like I've heard of crazier things. No, I, this happened. Yeah, like doctors impregnate. There was one more recently. You know, five hundred of his patients with his. <laughs> I know. I've heard about that sperm. Oh, doctor. Yeah. Yeah. All these kids out there. That's so weird. That's so gross. That's just an absolute abuse of power. And this is right up there, but if it's just one kid. So this child was born, and that apparently is a legit picture of this Sarah Spencer. I'll continue. So there were further claims that the baby was born eight months before Prince William. It would be the second line to the throne after Prince Charles. The conspiracy even says that the Duchess, now this one's interesting, Kate Middleton has met with Sarah Spencer and said that the woman is a dead ringer for the late Princess Diana. Apparently Kate Middleton and Sarah met when she when Kate was pregnant at the time. So there you go. Yeah. So according to the Globe, during the fertility testing, a doctor reportedly took one of Diana's eggs and implanted it into his wife. This process is known as in vitro fertilization. Nine months later, the doctor's wife gave birth to a brand new baby girl named Sarah Spencer in October of 1981. Sarah was often told by people when she was growing up that she looked really similar to Princess Diana. And I mean, like, she does. Like, how uncanny is that resemblance? Sarah wasn't told until both her parents died in a car crash that she was the product of an in vitro fertilization. When she started looking for her real parents, she would receive threatening messages to stop. Sarah Spencer, I will also note, uses Princess Diana's maiden name. She's been living between the US and the Pacific Islands, and most recently, she's been staying in New Zealand on a property that's owned by one of Prince Harry's friends. To make this story a little more interesting, apparently Harry and 
William know about their secret sister and have kept in touch with her. Meghan Markle, the Duchess of Sussex and Harry's new wife, met Sarah in secret on the last day of Meghan and Harry's tour of Australia, Fiji, Tonga and New Zealand. The meeting lasted 40 minutes, but Meghan left before anyone noticed she was gone. And also I should note that Kate Middleton also reportedly met Sarah Spencer when she was pregnant. It sounds very plausible. I, I don't know how people have information on this person, but really it's not well known. I, I don't know how this person has lived and not anybody you know crazy? said anything that's public knowledge. What's crazy too that if this conspiracy is true or if this is real, that I find it crazily ironic that her adoptive parents, so to speak, her you know, the ones that raised her but not her biological, that they died in a car crash just like her mother did. Weird, eh? They, they all do. All these people die some <laughs> mysterious ways. Why is everyone died in crashes? Yeah, and then she tried to find out who they were, and she was blocked from doing so. Interesting. Okay. Well, there you go. It's food for thought, at the very least. And that's one I never heard of before you. First time, and yeah, her parents died in a car crash, so they can't verify anything one way or the other. How convenient. All right. Have you heard of this one, Jay, the one that you're doing? Have you heard of this one? Oh, yes, the Denver airport. I love this one. <laughs> So airports are usually fairly boring places. It's just a pause between different destinations, and most people hate being stuck there longer than absolutely necessary. However, if you happen to find yourself at the Denver International Airport, you might just discover more than enough to keep you occupied until the flight number is called. Rumor has it that this huge airport is the headquarters of the Illuminati and that it doubles as a ready-to-use concentration camp for Americans that they'll be forced to live in once the New World Order takes over. A part of what's in the airport is this idea that it's got evil purposes, which includes a huge Masonic slab supporting the words New World Airport Commission, murals that feature soldiers wearing gas masks. Have you seen those murals? I have. You know where I first heard about this? Somehow I was flipping through the channels one day and Jesse Ventura. Yeah. <laughs> what was his conspiracy? <laughs> yeah, yeah. called conspiracy theories or something. Because- okay. So it was on and I'm like, oh, it's Jesse. Yeah. I had no idea about this show. Oh, it was fun. Um, yeah. He was going off on this Denver airport. It was fascinating. As your plane finally sets off for any place, you might just see the red eyes of Lucifer blinking ominously at you from his spot outside the building. Lucifer is the is the horse. It's a blue horse. Have you seen it? Seen that horse? No. This- oh yeah, yeah. I, I, we didn't talk about it in the write up. So was- for our listeners, this lady she brings up the conspiracy claim and she's very condescending, and then she'll give the counterclaim to explain it. Very interesting, ladies and gentlemen. Go to the comment section, which and everyone in the comment section is like calling her out for being, and people are basically saying her. It's on the Thrillist is the name of the uh, website. It's got it's a blue verified checkmark YouTube channel, seven hundred twenty thousand subscribers. So basically, people are saying, "Well, this is how you hide a conspiracy in plain sight." Right. So you just make it all a joke. The person in the video actually gives you all the claims of the Denver airport and what people talk about, and her counter arguments are horrible. Here's one that I really like. It's when she talks about the murals. Well, first let's talk about the blue horse that was created. Listen to what happened to the creator of the horse. This is pretty uncanny. Oh. Catch the 9,000-pound, 38-foot-tall statue of a blue bucking stallion with glowing red eyes, symbolizing the four horsemen of the apocalypse. The truth. While the statue is admittedly a little eerie, Luis Jimenez, the artist behind Blue Mustang, said the glowing red eyes pay homage to his father, who worked with neon signs, and it wasn't a tribute to Satan. But tragically, while he was finishing the statue, a piece broke off, severed an artery in his leg, and Jimenez died as a result. Ooh. <laughs> At least it wasn't a car crash. Yeah, but I love how the artist was like, no, 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 it's not Satan's eyes. It's my dad had a shop with neon lights. Come on. That's the truth, really? This blue horse that looks like a demon horse? He made the eyes red because his dad worked with neon signs? Okay. Uh, yeah. So that horse is called Lucifer. I love that. It's a psycho horse. You see how big it was? It, yeah, yeah, it's it, big. Why? Why is that there? It doesn't make sense. It doesn't. Just my guess. The Denver Broncos. They're blue and they have orange in their uniform. So I bet those eyes are. Would have been a better thing that she said. That's that's what I'm getting at. Her quote unquote truth claims are more ridiculous than your claim, which should have been better. Like if they're going to cover it up. Here's another one. 
Theory three, gothic gargoyles loom over the baggage claim and even more unsettling, murals with names like Children of the World Dream of Peace depict Nazi-esque soldiers in gas masks with machine guns and swords, eerily smiling children, burning forests, and even a recreation of a child's letters sent from Auschwitz. All of this, allegedly, is meant to contain clandestine messages alluding to the Illuminati. I hate how she does all this because if you see those murals, you listen to her truth claim. You saw those pictures, of course. I shared them with you there. Yeah, yeah. This is an airport, legit. Okay, you got a blue horse out there. What the hell's going on here? And then inside is this artwork that is insane. It's scary artwork. The artwork is bizarre for sure. It doesn't make sense. And the gargoyles, like what airport has gargoyles? Like at the Vancouver airport, we have totem poles. It kind of makes sense. You know, this is the Aboriginal artwork and their, and their heritage. That makes sense. But in this airport, we have gargoyles and creepy work with children and letters from Germany. Listen to her truth claim. This is hilarious. Truth. The artwork is actually anti-war and pro-environment. The murals artist Leo Tanguma contends these paintings tell a narrative of a world free from war and environmental ruin. <laughs> Why do you draw people with like the lamb lying down the line and like tortured children with Nazis? Like, <laughs> There's a variety of different ways you can share the same message. He just chose Did you chose get world different. peace and environmental work from that? No. All right. So now that he says it, I can kind of see. I mean, I don't know how they depicted that. They didn't depict world peace, but maybe the idea that it would could help us. You got to check out these comments. Change your mind. The comments are amazing. I love how the comments haven't been blocked. Curious how many how many views on this particular one, or how many comments are there? Uh, One hundred eighty three thousand views and eight hundred comments. Someone says here, I'm from Colorado and I've been to the airport my whole life. It's always had a weird vibe to it. And it's so crazy now, they're embracing it all as a, quote, joke. Like, man, they legit have alien paintings up on the construction zones making a joke out of it. It's all in plain sight. I don't know what to think about it. I don't want to believe it's all true, but honestly, when you're there in person, something's up. Too many bizarre paintings and architecture. One time, I was picking up my sister, and I found a random tunnel from the parking lot heading to a baggage claim. And there were demon statues and, and the little, very little lighting. And the tunnels were underground. Like, dude, what's going on? History 101, it's not conspiracy when the Freemason logo is on the airport's dedication plaque. <laughs> <laughs> we talked about this before with other conspiracy theory episodes, Jason. Why is it so confusing? Why can't it just be an airport? It should just be uh, a couple of pieces of artwork, you know, be comfortable here. Yeah, it's like they're going out of their way. Yeah. Maybe that was their goal. Create conversation. Help Colorado's tourism. Someone says here, I was in the airport in 2004, saw the mural with the Nazis and the children. It seems so strange and out of place. One of the strangest things I've ever seen. It has such an impression on me that I told the story of this mural often. So once the conspiracy theories began surfacing, I was able to relate. So people uh, who have no background just walk in like, what the hell's going on around here? This is a comment after comment after comment of that. Yeah, yeah. This lady can say what she wants in this video, but when you're there, someone said, here, this video failed completely. You just sold me <laughs> You just sold me every single theory. Good job. Funny, isn't it, how many conspiracies eventually come out as true? And this video definitely makes me suspicious. So there you go. It's kind of like an anti... I'm not saying I subscribe to what... But there's Freemasonry stuff here. There's underground tunnels. There's a Lucifer horse. There's very scary murals. It's like, why can't it just be an airport? Like, what's going on here? Right. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Last one. Number 10, the end of the world as we know it. So if you're still waiting for the infamous doomsday, give it up. Because, Jason, the world has already ended. Have you all heard about this? Well, it just started just last Thursday, so I wouldn't... You know. <laughs> well, yeah, I guess everything can't be true here, right? So the ancient mind prophecy is said to have been fulfilled already in 2012. Oh. Remember the big talk about the world ending? Yeah. Well, it oh, did. Yeah. It did end. And a lot of people believe this, actually, that nothing has ever really felt right since 2012. This is actually a very common discussion amongst conspiracy theories in world history, that nothing has really reset itself properly since 2012. Because it was also that year, Jason, that CERN found the Higgs boson particle predicted by Stephen Hawking to have the power to destroy the universe. Remember that? Well, it turns out that that CERN did indeed blow up the universe, and now we're living back to number one in a series of simulations because our collective consciousness was moved into a parallel universe. And that's how we get the Mandela effect, because those remnants yeah. of memories from old life are on this Earth now. It's like a unfragmented hard drive. You have to 
defragment or so yeah, a fragmented hard drive that needs to be defragmented. Memories or ideas are placed all over the place inside of our brain and minds. And we just try to make sense of it and do the best we can with the amount of information that we have. All right. I forgot to mention at the beginning of the show that if you're new to our podcast, what Jason and I do is we bring up a list of uh, 10 best of or whatever number of or whatever the topic is. Let's check out other episodes to see all the different topics we do. So these are the 10 best obscure conspiracy theories about the world we live in, or maybe lesser known, however you want to title that. We'll pick out one independent of each other after going through this list that we just went through. What we feel is the least likely to be true. So let's say nine of them are true, let's say, for whatever reason. Which one do we think is the most least likely to be true? And I think we'll just take out of the competition, number one, the world being a simulation, because that kind of just covers everything like an umbrella. Yeah. But I would, sure. it wouldn't be my worst pick anyways, because I believe... I, no, no. Yeah. So let's go through them again. So are we in a simulation? Ronald Reagan's name and uh, inauguration. No real trees. Tsunami created by underwater explosion. Australia not being Australia. No such thing as Roman Empire, so fake history. The world is only as old as last Thursday. Princess Di's daughter. The Denver airport. And of course, the world ended in 2012. Those are all fascinating topics. Which one, Jason, do you think is the least true or the worst conspiracy theory? The uh, trees. Oh, okay. Interesting. Trees are rocks or sorry, trees are mountains. That one feels the least likely, least believable. Okay. I think the reason why I'm not picking that one, because it's such a new one for me, I kind of dig it. I find it really, like, I love the fantasy of it. It is very fantastical. Yeah, and I kind of give it credit for I give the whoever came up with it. I kind of give them credit for the ingenuity and originality of that one. By that standard, I, I kind of have to. But I, I think I'm going to go with Australian up in Australia. I think that's uh, whether it's a flat Earth or not. I don't know. Or I think out of all of these, I think definitely Australia is there. I've been there myself. And there's no way though, all those Australian accented people were just actors or. I get it that flat earthers don't want it to be there to help their plot, so to speak. But at the end of the day, I'm going to go with the least likely to be a true conspiracy, like a truth, is uh, Australia not being Australia. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, absolutely fair enough. It feels like it would be an island or you know a continent, anyways, as described in books. And we've had people that live there and have come back, and they don't say anything of the sort that you're talking. What you just described or whatever it's um, we know they were in some south american island and they they can't prove it any more than i can i don't know where i was i have no exactly (laughs) if you want to ask somebody about it then go put down to your cell phones take away all your geology books and whatnot where are you just start writing what you think you know draw a map of where you live prove it Ugh. yeah i just know what i've been told all right if you want to send us an email to say that we're a wonderful show i should also say please review us on itunes we need some new reviews. We haven't had any in a while, so we'd appreciate those. We have, uh, we have definitely have more listeners than we have reviews. So come on, guys. Give us a review on iTunes. We appreciate it. If you don't want to do that, send us an email. Say that you're listening, that you love us. And then in that email, if you like, give us a topic, something you'd like us to, to review, a movie, series, or, or what have you. Worst of the best podcast at gmail.com. Remember, in front of every silver lining, there's a cloud. And today, it was for Ryan, Australia, not existing, and for Jason... The mountains used to be trees. Alligator Productions.